Appreciate that song, Phil. Love that song. You got your Bibles, get to Hebrews chapter 12. You can't ask too much, my God. I wonder how many of like we I, I know we all believe it. We're sitting in church here on a Wednesday night, so we, we believe it. But I wonder how many of us actually practice that. Right? I wonder how many of our problems would be different if we actually practiced that. Right, we, we're, we're, we, we all have times where we're broken. We can't find the peace of mind that seems to leave you behind. Have you act, did, did you actually take it to God or are you just expecting God to do something without you even talking to Him about it? Without you even acknowledging Him at all in that process of change in your life? Right, I, I think that uh, we as God's people often have this expectation of God to do something that we've not asked Him to do, that we've not even surrendered an aspect of our life to Him, yet we expect Him to fix it. And uh, the song actually goes really well with what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about a word none of us like to think about, and a word that you would not choose to insert if you fit into that category of not taking your problems to God. And that word, actually, that we all need to do from time to time is we need to repent. Repent is a word that is so countercultural today, right? Nobody likes to be challenged on anything. Nobody likes to have their decisions ever questioned by anybody, including me. I don't like it. Right? Nobody likes to have uh, uh, to even entertain the possibility that somebody might see something in your thinking, even if that person is the Holy Spirit of God, to see something in the way that you live your life that is contrary to how God would have you live your life. We don't want to hear it. And so we sit there and we, we wallow in difficulty that is unnecessary. Difficulty God didn't intend us to carry. And what we must do is we must repent. Everybody makes mistakes. Every, everybody responds poorly at times. Right? And I, I, I feel like in this particular time of the year, right, we're coming up at the end of the year, right, Sunday morning we're going to be, uh, you know, during announcement time, there's going to be a goal sheet passed around and for that, you know, 45 seconds when... Uh, you're also talking to the person next to you and uh, the announcements are being given and every other thing is going on at that time. Kids are coming in and your kids are coming in. You're going to write down your goals for the year and what you want to change about yourself. Right? I, I wonder how many of us actually stop and sit down and ever even ask God the question, Lord, is there anything in my life that doesn't please you? Anything in my life that is... It, that, that contradicts what you would have me to do. Yeah. And sadly, we don't like to hear this, but anytime we are in disagreement with what God has said in His Word, we are wrong, and we must repent. We must change directions. We, we, we must change the way that we think, the way that we believe, and the way that we then act upon those things. That's a very, uh, that, that, that's, that, that type of, uh, of language, that type of action and response to anything in our society today just 
just is, is almost taboo. We're going to, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it on my pace. I'm, uh, I, I'm not going to make a huge change. I'm just going to ease into it. Right? I've heard so many teenagers tell me that on summer trips over the years. Hey, you know, Brother Josh, you know, I, I know I need to do this. I'm, I'm just going to ease into it. I don't want to go all out and just burn out right away. Still waiting on the easing into it to start. Right? And, and it's not just teenagers that do this. Right? Uh, adults are just as guilty. I'm just as guilty. Right? We're, we're here. We're at church, right? Uh, we, and, and have you ever thought about this, right? We, 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 we just heard that song. You can't ask too much of God. You know, do you really believe that God is the one that can actually bring a change in your life? Right? We, we all have besetting sins, right? We all have things that we're working on, right? Uh, I was just telling my wife the other day, I, I, I've you know, our, our flesh kind of uh, changes and, uh, you know, different aspects of our flesh kind of manifest themselves at, at times or when, when certain things are going on, right? And, you know, I, f- I feel like I've been less, uh, a, a lot less patient than I should be, right? To put it bluntly, I've been, I've been impatient at times. And, and, I, and I, I, I told her, I was like, I'm, I've, I've, been repent- I've been trying to repent of this and I want to I change, Right? We all have things that we want to change in our life, and including pastors, including, you know, as, as a parent, there's probably things you want to change. As a Christian, there's things you need to change, right? As, uh, as a person in society, right? There are things that you need to change, and anything that the Bible speaks about, right, that means that God has an opinion on how we're supposed to conduct ourselves, right? And the Bible's a big book, right? The Bible has a lot to say about a lot of things. Right? The Bible has a, a, a whole lot to say about the way that we think. Right? The Bible has a lot to say about how we treat one another. The Bible has a lot to say about how we treat God. Right? Uh, I, and, and I think that really we discount our relationship with God as being a factor in so many of the things that we do in our life and what we must choose to do as we are uh, as our error is brought to light uh, from the Scriptures, we need to repent. God's, God and God's truth alone can change lives. Right In the Bible, we see examples of people who've made great changes in their life through the help uh, who, who God caused to make great changes in their life. Right, and, and we sit there year after year writing down the same stuff on our goal sheets for that year and be like, man, why can't I do anything? I'm still dealing with the same thing I've always been dealing with. And what I think it boils down to, it is a failure on our part to repent in many cases. Or at least to follow through on the repentance that we've tried to make. Repentance is the catalyst for change in the life of a Christian. There's no opportunity for closeness to God without repentance. If God and His truth are the hope for man to live a God-honoring, blessed, happy, and fulfilled life, then we must go to God and His Word to find the method for us to get there. We cannot do that in our own wisdom, in our own way, in our own timetable. Right? If you find something in the Bible that contradicts a way that you think, a way that you are living, are you willing to agree with God on that? Right? Uh, when confronted with something where you are in error compared to what God says, right, you have the option to choose to repent, to change directions, to change your mindset, your thinking, your attitude, your actions. As a result of that, that is repentance. You have the option to do that or to reject what God has said. 
Everybody here wants to be a better Christian if you're a saved person here tonight. Every, every, every husband here wants to be a better husband. Every wife here wants to be a better wife. Every parent wants to be a better parent. The Bible has a lot to say about those things. Every person here wants to uh, have a more God-honoring thought life. Right? I think Brother Chuck uh, you know, was praying for folks with, with, with depression and anxiety. Right? You know, God, God has, a, has a lot to say about those things. Peace of God keeps our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a great thing. That's a great promise. The Bible talks about those things. And so is God able to do those things or not? And what I want to look at tonight, I want to look at a couple examples of people who failed to repent as God would define repentance. And then uh, we're going to look at the church of Corinth, of all things, and show an example of true repentance. And so we're going to look at uh, the man Esau first. And so the first thing I want to point out to you this evening is that there is a genuine place of repentance. There is a genuine place of repentance. That's the first thing I want you to, to understand this evening. And so we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. We're just going to start in verse 14. We're going to read a few verses. The Bible says, follow peace with all men, holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or any profane person as Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he's, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Go ahead and stop right there. He, sought the, uh, uh, he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Right? I, I could not think of a more fitting way to describe the average Christian and their pursuit of making spiritual changes in their life is we have this desire at times to make changes in our life, but we don't seem to see those changes ever come about in our life. And when you look at the story of Esau and you look at him as a man, what you find is that as the Bible described him, he was a profane man. He was a man that lived his life in opposition to God and made very bad choices, right? Esau was a profane man. He found no place of repentance. Most of us can list reason after reason for why we are the way that we are, right? Look at Esau, right? His brother absolutely ripped him off. Sold him a pot of soup for his birthright, right? Uh, that, I think all of us would agree that's over the line. And the fact that they actually kind of, that, that, that Jacob also kind of lied to make that, uh, to allow that, uh, the follow through on that to actually happen, where his father actually blessed him over Esau, right? Uh, if you're Esau, you're probably pretty upset about that. That's not something that, uh, that you just let go, right? On top of the insult, I mean, he put a, a, a sheepskin on his arm, right? If you are that hairy and somebody puts a sheepskin on their arm and, and your dad actually believes it's you, Right, that's a that's a stab right there, also from Jacob on Esau. Right, you know, they're like, they're, 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 like that's not complimentary. Right, I, I don't know. I I thought that I, I thought that kind of thing was funny. Like I read that and I kind of laughed. I was like, man, he actually believed that. That that's how hairy the guy was. I don't know if it was. I mean, they they all had knives and sharpened them. Right, I see people whenever they sharpen knives, they always shave their arm. A little. Come on, Esau, let's get with it, man. You, you're kind of not helping yourself there, right? Esau had every reason to be embittered towards his brother, 
and he was. And he let that destroy his life. But do you know what? Esau was still responsible for Esau. Esau still was accountable to God for the bitterness in his heart. Even though he had been genuinely wronged, Esau was wrong in harboring bitterness in his life. Esau was wrong in allowing the, quote, spirit, the one that inherited the spiritual blessing from his father to cause him. He probably used that as an excuse to say, well, you know what, I'm not going to follow God if I'm not going to be the one in charge. So he found every excuse that he could possibly find to point the finger anywhere other than himself for why he was the way that he was. He found no place of repentance because he was looking in the wrong place. Right? It's absolutely necessary for each of us as Christians to find the place of repentance in our life. There's not a person here, even the person who's had the ideal upbringing. You've got two parents that loved you. You've always been in church. You've tried to do right. You still have things in your life that you're going to have to repent for. You still have things in your heart that today God looks at that and says that is sin and you need to repent of that. Down to the uh, other folks who haven't had what you might consider to be an ideal childhood. You've got uh, baggage from a parent. You've got baggage from a church. You've got problems that uh, people who've wronged you. You've got uh, uh, things that have been done to you in your life. And you look at those things and you say, well, you know what? I'm this way because those things happened to me. And what you're doing is you're instead of, and you're choosing to look at those things and blame those things rather than to repent of what the Bible calls sin. I'm not excusing what other people have done. I don't think God, God did not excuse what Isaac did, uh, excuse me, what Jacob or what Isaac did, right, uh, to, in, in Esau's life, right? Uh, they also were, are accountable for their sin. But at the end of the day, you are accountable to God for what you choose to do, how you choose to respond, and the way that you live your life. And so uh, repentance is necessary for all of us, and uh, that is not going to be found by simply feeling bad about the situation around you, right? Esau did not like how his life turned out. He did not like that he did not have the, 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 the birthright that he would have had as the firstborn. He did not like the consequences of the sin and the bad choices that he'd made in his life, the short-sightedness in his life. And you know what? Uh, he was brought to tears because of that. But that did not change his standing with God whatsoever. Right. Circumstances, consequences, rather than looking at his sin. We do that too. If you're going to find this place of repentance in your life, Rather than pointing the fingers at other people saying, uh, you know, so-and-so did this to me and so that's why I have these problems. My family did this to me, that's why I have these problems. This person said this to me, that's why I'm this way. Uh, I said this because they said that. Uh, if I had a better husband or a better wife, then I would be a better at this or that, right? Whatever the reason is, nothing and no one is keeping you from the place of repentance. You alone are responsible for finding that place of repentance. The time and energy we spend blaming others for where we are is a fruitless effort. We cannot change anything that has happened in the past. Amen. We cannot change anyone else. Amen. Only God can change others. We 
must take responsibility for our own lives and then choose to look to God instead. Rather than blaming others or your situation on the way that you think, your attitude, or the choices you've made, look for the place of repentance. If God has, has anything to say about what you're saying, what you're thinking, what you're doing, right? You need to consult what God says and compare what you're doing with what God says. There is a genuine place of repentance. Genuine repentance seeks reconciliation. Let's look over at Matthew chapter 27. So Esau failed to find the place of repentance because he was, uh, uh, he, he, though he had remorse, though he was sorry, though he cried, he did not find that place of repentance because he was blaming others. He was focused on his circumstances. He was only interested in, deal, in, in, in recovering from the fallout around him uh, he, in, instead of reconciling himself to God. Judas is another example of someone who the Bible says repented. But we know that, I mean, if you know anything about Judas, right? Judas is, I've not met anybody named Judas today, right? That, that name is, is blacklisted. Unless you're raising, you know, a future villain, right? Which I don't think any parent is, you know, looking for that type of thing. Right? Right? Uh, Ju Judas, uh, he regretted betraying Jesus. Let's look at Matthew chapter 27, verse, uh, starting verse 1. It says, uh, When the morning came, the chief, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. When they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him unto Pontius Pilate the governor. Then Judas, which, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. Cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. What a sad ending to, his, to a man's life. Right? Apart from all the, the things that Jesus had to say about, uh, Ju about Judas, right? That, that's a sad ending to anybody's life. He had remorse for what he had done. He, he, he recognized that what he had done was wrong. He even went as far as to give the money back that he got for betraying Jesus. He even said that he had sinned. Esau blamed others who had done him wrong for his bitterness and his many other sins. Judas betrayed Christ. There was nobody else to blame. He took responsibility for what he had done but he attempted to make things right his own way. The Bible says that he repented himself. How many of us know when what we've done is wrong? Man, I, I, I shouldn't have snapped at, 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 at my spouse like that. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been so harsh with my children. I, shouldn't, I should have been nicer to this person. I, I, I should have done this. And we understand and we see what we've done to be wrong, but we completely skip over the person and the God whom we've wronged. Right, right. Judas made no attempt to make things right with God. So many of us fail to see meaningful change in our lives. Even when we know there's a problem, we feel bad, we might try to make up for things in our own way. But without addressing the root of the problem, 
we never see meaningful change. Right? right? Repentance requires you to reconcile, to make your relationship with God right once again. Because sin separates us from God. Even as a saved person, you can be estranged from God in your relationship with Him. You're still His child if you're genuinely saved, but you can have a poor relationship with your Heavenly Father when you have sin in your life, and if you recognize, hey, I've done wrong, but you don't ever take that to God and make things right, you're never going to find that place of repentance in your life. Repentance seeks reconciliation. Self-repentance brought no forgiveness from God in Judas' life. And I think that so many of us fail to repent and we end up falling into deeper despair because we've not genuinely repented to the person we need to repent to. Right? The fruit that God brings from repentance, the reconciliation to God does not bring hopelessness and despair, but that's what Judas saw as the result of what he did. Right? Uh, In the heart of every man, we are unable to reconcile ourselves to God on our own. You cannot do enough good to make yourself right with God. You cannot do enough to atone for the wrong that you've done. And Judas saw that he had done something that was unforgivable, uh, really, to anybody but God. And he chose not to even ask God for forgiveness. He went and hanged himself. He never obtained forgiveness from God. He was even mocked by the people who he tried to make things right with. He felt bad, never repented in the eyes of God for what he had done. He may have repented to himself, but that did not bring him peace with God or the forgiveness of God. And I think many of us abandon spiritual decisions before we see any fruit of those decisions because we have not truly involved God in that process of our repentance. Right? You might recognize that you've done something wrong, but do you recognize that, hey, the wrong that you've done actually is an offense against God? Sin is an offense against God, right? I'm glad we've got the, little, the kids in here today, right? Hey, kids, look up here real quick. I know everybody's drawing all that. Hey, did you guys know that when you don't obey your parents, that is a sin not just against your parents, that's a sin against God? Hey, fathers, when you uh, provoke your children to wrath, by your impatience, by your harshness. That is a sin not just against your child, that is a sin against God. And you are uh, estranged in your relationship with God until you make that right. You might even make it right with your child, but you need to repent of that to God as well. Because that sin is not just a sin against that person, it's a sin against our holy God, and you need to be reconciled to Him. We often do not even consider that our sins are separating us from God. Our iniquity is keeping God from hearing us. And so we must recognize when we sin, when we are trying to repent, we must recognize the person to whom we should be repenting. Whatever the reason might be, we cannot ignore our relationship with God when trying to make things right in our life. 
So any goals that you might try to set forth for 2024, right, if that does not involve you getting a closer relationship with God, if that does not involve you repenting for some of the things uh, that you know to be wrong in your life, not just to the people that you've wronged, but to your Creator, you are going to fail in finding that place of repentance because you are failing to seek reconciliation to the one whom you need to repent to. God is the one that's going to bring change. God is the one that's going to transform our life. God is the one that's going to do all of these things. And if we take God out of the, re- the picture of our repentance, he's not going to be involved in the process. We're trying to do things in our own strength. Let's look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians 7. We've looked at two examples of people who failed to repent. Let's look at the Corinthian church who were absolutely torn apart by the Apostle Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians. He refers back to that letter in this passage we're going to read in 2 Corinthians. Uh, we're going to read, uh, starting uh, chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak this not to condemn you, for I have said before that ye are in our hearts to die and to live with you. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. For when we were come to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God, that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoiced the more. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Though I, uh, though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For God, godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement, uh, vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Right? What, what, what a testimony that church had of repentance, right? First Corinthians, he just absolutely tore them apart for their carnality, for the sin that they had allowed into the church. And we see here that when they got that letter, they didn't get mad at Paul, right? They, they actually, they, 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 they loved him more, even though he told them something they didn't want to hear. We often, we get mad at whoever confronts us with the truth of what God has to say about what we're doing or what we're thinking. Rather than getting mad at the messenger, they took God at His Word and made the changes that God wanted them to make. They repented. Judas and Esau, they had, a, they had the, uh, the, the sorrow that this world works, which, bring, which, which worketh death. Godly sorrow works repentance. Genuine repentance is the last thing. Genuine repentance has fruit. So there's a place of repentance. Repentance seeks reconciliation and repentance has fruit. Repentance requires exposure, acceptance, 
an implementation of the truth of God's Word into our life. Right? Uh, you, if you do not know what God has said, you do not know whether you need to repent or not. Until you understand what God has said about the way that you think, the way that you treat others, the way that you interact with Him, right? Until you know those things, until you are exposed to the truth of that, you do not know whether you need to repent or not. And so we must make an effort to expose ourselves to the truth of God as much as we possibly can, which in part you're here tonight, you're being exposed to the truth of the Bible. I have nothing in myself to give you, but the Bible has all the answers that you need, right? When you're exposed to God's Word, you then must make a decision. Are you going to accept that or are you going to reject it? Rejecting God's Word is the opposite of repentance. What God said has application to my life, right? Uh, what God says about the way that I think, right, even though this was written a couple thousand years ago, right, uh, I'm supposed to be looking into my own life and saying, am I thinking on the things that God wants me to think on? Am I doing the things that God wants me to do? And when we look at our own life and say, hey, this applies to my life, uh, I'm doing wrong here. We must then choose to implement what God says into our life. Repentance and uh, uh, recognition that there's a problem is not full repentance. We must, we must, we must completely change our direction. Don't wait for things to completely fall apart in your life before seeking out the truth of God's Word and trying to change things. Amen. Seek out the truth of God now. Seek to know as much of God's truth as you can and you know, God will bring those things to your heart and to your mind when, uh, when, when they specifically apply to you or, or through another person, God might speak to your, might speak to your heart and uh, uh, cause you to desire to make some changes in your life. And rather than just being upset at being challenged in the way that you do, rather than just bemoaning the, 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 the trouble and the damage that you have in your life because of what you've done or what's been done to you or what you've uh, allowed to happen, right? Uh, allow that sorrow to be directed towards your Savior for your sin. Allow that sorrow to be the sorrow that comes from God, that is toward God, and repent Change directions. Repentance results in fruit-bearing change. Right? Godly sorrow worketh repentance. Right? There, there is a change that comes with repentance. There is a uh, transformation that God does in your life when you truly choose to repent. Right? Why is it that the maniac of Gadara who was sitting in the tombs cutting himself naked out of his mind, possessed of many devils, why is it that God could fix that guy, but he can't fix the thing that we're, that we're, that we're struggling with? You, you, you really think that God can't fix it? Do you, you really think that he does not have the power to change uh, a person who's been set in their ways even for years, right? Many of the sins that we deal with are not new. And part of the reason why we have stopped trying to make those changes, we've given up on repentance and we've just accepted we are the way we are. And, you know, that's just the way that I am. That's just the way that I think. That's just the way that I treat people. And you know what? What happens is we don't repent any longer for that sin. We don't even seek out God's help for that sin anymore. We've just accepted it as part of us. But when we understand that genuine repentance brings the power of God and brings change into our life, man, uh, what, what can't God do in, in, in your heart and in your life? Yeah. 
Right? What, 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 really, what, what is God incapable of changing in your heart? Nothing. I hope that's what you believe. Right? I know we say that. But there has to be some practical steps taken if you actually believe that. Because genuine repentance brings about a change in your life. It's not just you shut down this one area of your life. You can't uh, just stop thinking altogether. You must stop thinking poorly and start thinking right. You must stop doing wrong and then you must start doing right. Right? You must stop mistreating others and start treating others as Jesus would treat them. Right? That re repentance is a process that takes place in our hearts through the power of God, and you must get engaged in that process. Right? We are responsible for uh, whether we want God's help with this or not, and I think most of the time we try to do it all in our own strength. Repentance is important. Repentance is necessary for every single believer here. And I know that you might not consider how often you're repenting of something, but uh, I would wager that every single day we have something that we need to repent of. Right? Every single day, we, I mean, we all sin. And it's wearisome to repent all the time. It's irritating to repent for the same thing over and over again. It's frustrating. It's embarrassing. Disheartening. Nobody wants, uh, and, and, and we, get, we get so weary of it to where we stop believing that God is actually going to do something about it. We get so weary of it, we, get so, we, we, we become so apathetic towards it that we, we, we stop believing that God can really change us, that God can really transform us. And I just want to encourage you, challenge you tonight that God is still in the business of changing lives today. You don't, uh, do you really think that God intends you as a born-again Christian to live your life bogged down by something that God has told you not to do, something a way that God has told you not to live? Do you think God intended you as a believer to live that way? Right? Why would God tell us to do something we're incapable of doing? He doesn't. He enables us, He empowers us to do anything that is in His Word, right? We, we are capable of following God's will for our life, and His Word is His will for our life. And so there's nothing in your life that God is incapable of changing. There's no person here that is too far gone. There is no sin in your life that is so set into your ways that, it is, uh, uh, that, that God is not capable of changing it. If God can cure a man that's been born blind, He can cure your besetting sin that you've dealt with for years. If, 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 if God can save the thief on the cross, right, no matter where you're at in your life, it's not too late for God to make a change in your heart. Do you believe He can? The real question is do you want Him to? Repentance is optional. Most of us don't want to. We just want to do it. We, we, we're happy with the way we are. We're content. It's not really hurting us too bad. Right? We're, we're getting by. But we're missing out on that relationship with God. We're missing out on the fellowship with Him that we should have. And you know what? Just because things are good right now doesn't mean that that sin 
is not going to do what sin does. Sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Are you, are you interested in repentance for what you've done? I, I know people have probably wronged you and you've got a lot of reasons why you might be the way that you are. But at the end of the day, you're the one that's got to live your life. Amen. You're the one that's going to bear the responsibility for what you do and how you respond to what, what, what happens in your life. And even in the life of someone who's had a lot of tough things going on, God has sufficient grace for you. And genuine repentance will bring fruit in your life and meaningful, lasting change.